At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the Gospel. Yeah, God, we just say yes to this moment today. I just, I need to hear those words. I just need to hear them. I forget so often. Life gets in the way, things get in the way, stress gets in the way, people get in the way, work gets in the way, ministry gets in the way, God, and I just need to hear those words today. So God, as a, as a community, as a church, I just say that we receive that from you. We just receive your goodness and your gentleness, Holy Spirit, and your love. I just invite you to move and minister to our hearts today in different ways, God. I just love that you are big enough for me, and you're big enough for the front row, and you're big enough for the back row, and you're big enough for the side row, and you're big enough for the balcony, and you're good enough, and you're big enough, and your love is enough. How we can be here all together, so many people, yet you know each and one of us intricately. You know exactly what we need from you today, God. And so I just say, do it, move, minister, whatever it needs to be, whatever it has to look like. We just invite you to do that, Holy Spirit, in this place. Your movement is welcome, your movement is needed, your movement gives us life, it breathes life into us, God, and we are a people today that need life, new life breathed into us. So God, now we open your word, your living word, your alive word, your word, God, believing and knowing that you have something for us, life-changing message of Jesus. It's for us. It's for you. So collectively, God, we seal this and we say our hearts are open. We're ready to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks. Thanks, guys. Can we just give it up for our band? Yeah. Like, ah, that is, that's the kind of worship I just love to be a part of. Just no agenda. We just do it, see what happens, see where the Lord moves us. <sighs> that was good for my soul. If you would, guys, open your Bibles to, uh, to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, if you're new, welcome to Woodside, Detroit. My name is Patrick. I'm one of the associate pastors at our campus, along with Kevin and a whole slew of other incredible staff members and leaders, um, and we're just glad to be here with you. We're glad that you are here with us, that you would step out of your home and into a beautiful day and into this beautiful place um, to come together as the body of Christ. And so if you would, yeah, First Peter chapter 1, we're continuing in our new series today. We kicked off our new series last weekend, right, Unshakable. And today we press back in exploring the promises of God that we can have a steadfast hope in the midst of an unpredictable world. How many of y'all would agree that, that we are in desperate need of a, of, a, of a hope right now? 
I am in desperate need of a steadfast hope right now. And last week, we, we dove in together to the opening section of Peter's letter, and hopefully we left feeling more encouraged that as believers and disciples of Jesus, right, disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, that we can take heart, that you can take heart, that in chaos and confusion and division and sadness and heartache, all of these emotions that we seemingly are forced to feel every day anymore, that in the midst of all of that, Christ is still building his church. Come on, Christ said, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And Christ is still building his church and the gates of hell have still not prevailed. And that is our promise of heaven and salvation. And it's here. Right? That even in our, our trials and our sufferings, he is working and refining. And we and you and me can take heart and have hope. Hope. We talked a lot about hope last weekend. Hope, right? The, the whole premise of this letter is hope. And I think that Peter knew exactly how important this word would be to a group of people in desperate need of encouragement. It's funny, there are so many, so many similarities, of course, but there are so many similarities between um, the people, the group of people that Peter is writing to in this letter and the church today, even our, our crew, our community here today, a group of people in desperate need of hope and encouragement writing to a group of people persecuted by their faith, displaced from their homes and exiled by a government system totally against them. And so here, Peter, he begins by reminding them of their eternal position. This is so important. He reminds them of their eternal position in Christ and that because of that position, them then and us now can confidently set our hope fully on God's grace. There are these words in the Bible, right? Grace and mercy and, and hope, and we hear a lot about them, and they're in every passage, it seems. And, and sometimes it's just really, really good for us to, to have a rudimentary understanding of what they're actually talking about. And so this word grace, I love it so much because in different translations, it, it translates over to, to infinite kindness. So when he says God's grace, that we can confidently set our hope fully on God's grace, it's his grace or his infinite kindness. And it is from this position of thinking, this foundation of living, that we as disciples are able to see two specific ways that our promise of future grace or our promise of future salvation can and should and will transform our life today. That's the big idea right there. Future grace transforms our conduct today. If you think about, like, things you look forward to in life, like, at least for me, the things that I look forward to in life, I, I actually shift, like, who I am and what I'm doing beforehand to better prepare me for it. So, like, if it's, a, if it's a bad thing or a sad thing, usually, like, I'm trying to avoid, but if it's, like, a good, if it's a good thing... It absolutely transforms how I live. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go golfing, maybe for the last time before the snow comes. 
But I know that, like, I'm going to go golfing in the morning with my good buddy Mark and with my dad, but it's up in Clarkston, and I've got a, an hour drive, right? So I've got to get to bed early tonight. I don't like going to bed early, but I will go to bed early. It means I can get up early and go golfing. So Peter here is, is making a, a somewhat similar statement when he says, future grace transforms our conduct today. Our promise of a, of a future grace, our promise of salvation, it should transform the way that we as disciples, as followers of Jesus live today. And the first is this, if God is your father, be holy. The first thing he calls us into is a, a lifestyle of holiness. He says, if God is your father, be holy. Like last week, we, we talked a lot about identity, right, as adopted children of God. Our identity, sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ. And now Peter, he builds from it in verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 17 says this, therefore, Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. I think we have verse 15 up there. Yeah, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Peter, like clockwork, one of the first things he does is takes us right back to the root. Right? One of the first things he's doing is taking us right back to the base. He's taking us right back to identity. It all comes back to identity. Do you know that you are loved by God? Do you know that he has chosen you and adopted you and he calls you son and daughter, co-heir with Christ? It all comes back to identity. And Peter says, as obedient children... He calls us children. It's all about identity. The first thing that God says to Jesus before starting his earthly ministry is what? He says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Right? Before Jesus does anything, before any ministry, any preaching, any healing, any miracles, he is baptized and the heavens open up and the voice of the father screams down to his son and he says, you are my son this is your identity. This is who you are, and I am well pleased. You are my son. It's all about identity, and as Peter calls us children, right, and God, Father, in essence, what he's reminding us is that there really should be a family resemblance. Right? Like something, something that ties us as children back to God the Father. There really ought to be a family resemblance. And in this moment, Peter is calling us to be holy because our Father is holy. Holy, set apart and sacred. He says, be holy as God is holy. One of my favorite authors and theologians and scholars, A.W. Tozer, he says this, holy is the way God is. 
right? Holy is the way God is. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. Because he is holy, all his attributes are holy. That is, whatever we think of as belonging to God must be thought of as holy. God has made holiness the moral condition necessary to the health of his universe. God is holy, and he gives us a new identity and then charges us to live like it, and that can be hard, and it takes time, and we're going to fail, and we're going to get back up, and we're going to fail, but it's worth it. The promises of God that he has for his people to move and interact in and out of suffering and trials, it is worth it, church. The Bible says that, that we as believers or followers of Christ are dead to sin and alive to God identity. We are dead to sin because of Jesus and alive to God. Look at what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. He says this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life, identity, the newness of life. That's what he gives us. That's what he promises us in Christ, a new identity, a newness in life. Peter and Paul alike are essentially calling us into this way of living that reflects and imitates the goodness and the character of God. We are his children, and he is our father, and it is good to be like him. But even in that call, right, even in that truth and that reality, hear me out. Like, sometimes these examples, right, of connections of God as, as Father can be hard. Right? Sometimes, sometimes even this call to be like God the Father can be hard. One of the, one of the first things that I was kind of taught in, in seminary was, was this. Um, psychologically speaking, the way often that we view and experience and interact with our, with our earthly Father has a lot to do, plays a huge role in the way that we view and interact and experience our Heavenly Father. Right? The way that, the way that we interact with our, with our Father on earth, the interactions we've had, the time that we've spent, the things that he's said and spoken, it absolutely affects the way subconsciously that we actually interact with God the Father. And for some of us, that's incredible, right? For some of us in this room, we have incredible fathers who have been there. They've shown up. They've spoken truth and love and identity. And so for some of us, it's easy to interact with God the Father in that way. But yet for others, it's not. Right? The reality is that for some in this room, that idea is actually more of a nightmare. I don't, want, I don't want God the Father to be anything like my earthly father. 
On top of that, not everybody even has a father, let alone a father worth imitating. But here, now, we do. Here, now, in this place, we do. And do our lives reflect it? Does your life as a follower of Jesus reflect more of the new you, right? The redeemed and set free you or the old you? Like, it is a battle. I don't know about you all, but it is a battle. For me, it's a daily battle. But be confident in Christ. Be confident in Christ knowing that he is with you. Be confident in Christ knowing that he is for you and be confident in Christ knowing that he sacrificed it all to give you this new identity. He welcomes us in to the family and he puts his arm around us and he says, I don't know what you've experienced, but I've got a good dad and he wants to know you and he wants to love you and he wants to do life with you. Jesus He steps into our brokenness and our pain, and he says, you've been through a lot, and that should never have happened, and that should never have been said, and you should never have had to walk through that moment in your life, but I have a good father, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he wants to do life with you. The Father says, be holy as I am holy, and may we as a church respond with yes. Secondly, finally, if Jesus is your redeemer, be faithful. Right? If God is your Father, he says, be holy, but if Jesus is your redeemer, Be faithful. Peter says in verse 18 and 19 this, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, right? Silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. First things first, Peter encourages us and and challenges us in how to live in our time here on earth saying, be holy, be holy like your father, be set apart like your father as Christ is set apart. And now, now he moves to give us the why, and the why is his blood. Peter says that, that we've been ransomed and liberated and set free and redeemed, and it's all because of the cross. Guys, it's Christ's blood. It's shed for you and me. And Peter is giving this tangible reminder to a group of believers that were in desperate need of hope. And it hits the same today. Peter is giving this tangible reminder to a group of people that are in desperate need of hope. It is so important for us to to weave in and out of of what's happening in this book, to understand what was happening contextually in this time and how it relates to us and what God is speaking to them then and what he's still speaking to us now. And so we have to remember, right, that Peter is writing to these exiled believers, these dispersed believers across what is modern-day Turkey now, and he uses, I love it, I love how he does this, he uses the same wording once used to describe 
describe Israel's freedom from Egypt in the Old Testament to now describe their and our freedom from sin in the New. Like, we think that we're removed from this. Like, take it all the way back to when Peter is writing to these early churches. These people absolutely know the reality of what their ancestors went through. You can't tell me, you can't tell me that because they were removed one or two or three generations, it didn't affect them. And so essentially Peter is saying, hey, I'm going to use the same language that you are familiar with historically because your family walked through it. They were freed and liberated from Egypt. I'm going to use that same language to now describe that because of Christ, you have experienced the same liberation from your sin. Ransomed and redeemed, Deuteronomy 7, 8, and 15, 15 say this, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And 15, 15 says this, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God Redeemed you. Hmm. Ransomed and redeemed, right? For Israel, it was liberation from Egypt. But for the followers of Jesus, it is liberation from our sin. That's what it's all about. It's the gospel. Right? The Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death, no doubt. But take heart, church. It also tells us that because of Jesus, we have been ransomed, redeemed, and bought back. Jesus, everything here, guys, everything here, every message, every prayer, every song, every interaction, everything here, it all comes back to this one place, Jesus. Jesus and the fullness of life associated with him. And Peter says it wasn't silver and it wasn't gold, but it was his blood. I don't know about you, but I am very, very glad that I cannot buy my way to Jesus. I am very, very glad that it is not transactional depending on me because I fail every day. It wouldn't work. I would want it to work. I would try really hard. A lot of people try really hard. A lot of y'all try really hard. But I'm telling you, that's not going to cut it. Doesn't make sense half the time you think about it. The gospel, the cross, Jesus, it flip-flops everything. Everything society and culture tells us we have to be like, we should be like. I got to get ahead. I got to get to the top. So I can, I can do this and do that and buy this and feel good about myself. And Jesus is like, it doesn't matter. It's not going to work. It's me. It's my blood. Right? It's not a 12-step program or a monthly subscription or a lottery ball getting sucked up through a tube or anything else that you can think of other than Jesus. I love this. Foreknown by God before the foundations of the world. It's always been his heart for us to be with him. Say that again. Foreknown by God before the foundations of the world, it has always been his heart, God's heart for us to be with him. And he, Jesus, 
for your sake and mine came to fulfill it. The perfect example of love and grace. Look at how Peter finishes our section this morning in verses 20 and 21. He says this, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. I love, I love these verses. He Jesus was foreknown for the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. You who through him, Jesus, are believers in God. God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead and gave him, Jesus, glory so that your faith and your hope can be in God today. There are not a lot of things anymore in the world to take heart in, but this is the one thing. People are going to fail you. They are going to let you down. I am going to let you down. Things are going to fail you. They're going to break. Jobs are going to come and they're going to go. Relationships are going to be up and they're going to be down. They're going to be incredible one moment, and they're going to be the literal worst moment of your life the next. And there are a lot of things that are vying for our attention. There are a lot of things that are vying for our hope, right? Like infomercials on a screen that come across our screens, and they say, hey, for 25 bucks, this is going to bring you hope for the next six months. But nobody ever reads the, the tiny print where it says that it's going to break, and you're going to be left alone. You start all over all over and all over and all over, and it's this endless cycle, and it happens and it happens and it happens, and we get to this place in our life, and we're like, this is not what was promised to me. But this, this is what is promised to you. And it is a foundation worthy of building your life. The idea of a foundation, it sticks with me. It's so prominent with me. My first skit that I ever had to do when I was traveling in the Philippines was this little skit about um, the story in the Bible about the, the man, right, who builds his house on the sand versus the one who builds his house on the rock. And um, in, in, in the skit, I was, the, I was like both the man and the house. And so I had to, uh, I had to like... Um, I had to like get underneath these people that would hold their hands up and I had to be down in it. And um, I remember the first time that we did it, I was playing the part of the, the man who built his house in the sand. And I like knelt down and I, we had just gotten to the Philippines, had never been there before. And we're in this like really like, we're in the slums actually. And we were in this like really muddy like um, little area and I, I knelt down. And the person was like reading, uh, they were reading the story and they got to the part where it was like, he built his house on the sand and the, the, the winds and the rain came and it like, it like wiped him away. And as soon as that happened, my friend just like kicked me, <laughs> like straight up just kicked me over into a pile of mud. And I was like, if this isn't an example, literally tangibly of what it looks like to build our life on anything other than the rock, you're going to end up in a puddle of mud and other things that I won't talk about. <laughs> but then, 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 right, then there's the story, 
where he builds his house on the rock. Even Pastor Rick, a couple months ago, he showed us that picture right up on the screen when the floods came to that town and there was only one house left standing out in the middle of the waters. And it said that years later, after the waters had finally gone down, they realized why. He showed us that picture again and it was this tiny little like farmhouse church looking building and it was just like perched on this random piece of rock in the middle of the river and it's still there today. He is the foundation, the only foundation worthy of you building your life upon. I don't know where you are on your faith journey today. I love, I love this place so much because all of us are just on different faith journeys. Not everybody in here is the same. We're not, we're not doing it all the same. We don't talk the same, sound the same, look the same. We're not supposed to be like that. Summer talked about that earlier. But like Jen said, if we just want this place to be a place where people, regardless of their faith journey, can come and just sit and find rest for 45 minutes. My goodness, if people don't just need rest for 45 minutes anymore. I don't know where you are on that journey. Right? Every journey is different. For some of you, Maybe you're not even on a journey. Maybe, maybe today, being here, this is, this is the journey. This is, you're on and you're off the train. That's okay. We're so glad you're here. Maybe for some of you, you've heard a lot about it, a lot about Jesus. You've been coming, cool hope, cool foundation, funny story, kicked in the mud. That's hilarious. Like, I don't know, I don't know. He loves you and he's for you and he knows you. I know that. I don't know a lot of things, honestly. But I know that he loves you and he's for you and he knows you. You're on the train, you're off the train. He's like, just ride with me for a little while. Let me show you, let me show you a, a whole new countryside, right? Like sometimes we're on this train and we're looking out the window and we're just fixated on this window and it's like, I don't know, man, I've been here before. I tried it out, I didn't like what I saw. And he's like, guess what? There's another window on this side, and I'd love to show you out there if you just, like, ride with me for a few minutes. And he pops open that window, and you're like, what? I know this was here. You had this for me all along. I've just been so fixated on this window that I didn't even think to step into this window. All right, other, other times, I thought about this last night, you know, my story You've been coming to church, you grew up in church, you know a lot about God, know a lot about Jesus. You'd, you'd call yourself a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, or, or at least I am on paper, right? I said a prayer once, so I'm a, I'm a believer. But then you like take your thermometer and you like put it in and you take that internal temp and you realize that actually you're just like lukewarm. <laughs> Like, no, no, I prayed the prayer, I'm burning. And the temperature's like, you're the opposite of burning, man. <laughs> like, you think you know God, but you know a lot about him. You think you know Jesus, but you just know a lot about him. Pat, I thought I knew Jesus. I just knew a lot about him. I grew up at this church. I know a lot about him. 
I heard about him all the time, every time. Oh, it's Sunday morning, let's go, we're going to church, going to church. Then I got to college, and I was like, I get to pick this if I want. And then they're like, no, you have to go to chapel three times a week. I was like, what? You can't skip, and if you do, you're going to get, like, suspended. Okay. Like, you know a lot about him, but you don't actually know him. He just wants to know you. He wants you to know him in that way, that, that intimate, beautiful, wonderful way. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've experienced. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what you're carrying in here with you right now. Today, you walked into this place carrying something, and it's heavy, and it's burdensome, and it wears you down, and it makes you tired, and you just can't even run anymore. You just want to run, and you can't even walk. You're crawling. He calls us to be holy and he calls us to be faithful, but the first thing he calls us is loved. Before anything else, before anything else, the first thing he calls you is loved. I am, I am so about this series because I just feel like every single message is going to come right back to the same place that we left off last time, and it's this. You are loved by God. I will hammer that home as long as I'm given a microphone in this building. You are loved by God. The greatest moment of my life to date, and I've had a lot of great moments in my life, but the greatest moment in my life to date was the day that it dropped from my head to my heart and I just knew that I was loved by Jesus and it hasn't been the same since. And so today, in Jesus' name, God, I know you call us to be holy. We want to be holy, a people, a church, a group of people set apart, burning and on fire for you, God. We want to be faithful because Jesus is faithful because he came and he died a perfect life and a perfect death, the sacrificial lamb for me, for you, all because he loves you. It's going to be hard to be holy and it's going to be hard to be faithful until we get it, until we get it, until you get it that he loves you. So Jesus, right now, Holy Spirit, minister to your people in their brokenness, in their sorrow, in their pain, in their grief, in their loneliness. Minister right now in Jesus' name. Come with your fire from heaven. We need it. We need it. We need it. Baptize us. God, I pray today, and I thank you today that revelations are being made, they're being had, where the, where the reality of being loved by Jesus, it, it drops from our head, from a song that we learned in Bible school 27 years ago, and today for the first time in someone's life, it drops from their head, and it drops to their heart, and you are igniting them. And all of a sudden, for the first time, the desire to be holy, the desire to be set apart, the desire to be faithful to Christ, it means different, it hits different, it is different, it's for you.
I love our big ideas and I love our points, but what I love more than anything is when people experience the reality that they are loved by Jesus and he's with you and he's for you and he's always been with you and he'll always be with you and he just wants you to be with him in relationship every day, day by day, on the train, on your bike, at work, at school, at home, alone, in your travels, wherever you are. Since it doesn't matter, I love you. I also just feel like this is going to be an important season for our community, for our church, that the Lord really wants to bring about a new level, a new sense of healing in our lives. Obviously, healing looks different for, for each of us, depending on what we've been through, what we're going through. For some of you today, I just, I want you to know, I just feel so strongly in my spirit, the Lord speaking this over you, that he sees you and he hears you. You feel alone, but you put on a tough face for the crowds, for the world, but then you go home and you sit on your couch, you sit in your bed or you sit in your closet. And the enemy, our adversary, he comes and he hits hard with all of these lies and you feel like nobody sees you, Jesus says to you today, I see you. For others, there's, there's, there's things in your life that you've, that you've been looking for healing for. Talk to friends, you talk to counselors, you talk to, to different people, yet you feel so alone and so ashamed in what you've experienced of what you've done, of what's been done to you. And the Lord's like, I see you, and I know you, and I love you. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. Just let me hug you today. Some of us, we just need hugs. It's been eight months, and some of you have had a hug. It sucks. And the Lord's like, I'll hug you. I got you. He's so alive. He's so real. He's got you. So we're just going to respond in a moment of ministry. We're going to have a ministry, a time of ministry. Holy Spirit, come and minister to these people today. They need you. Holy Spirit, here is a group of people in desperate need of you and your love and your fire. You never let us down. So come and move. Today, God, I pray that, that somebody who, who is doubting if you're even real, they would know, God, that they would feel the tangible presence of you with them, whether it's their, their head, their back, their spine, their fingers, that you would make yourself known to the hearts and the depths of people today. That you're calling us back, you're calling us for the first time, for the third time, for the, for the 85th time. You're just calling us. You beckon us to come and just be. So just receive today in Jesus' name as the Holy Spirit ministers to your heart, as he ministers to your mind, as he brings healing and clarity to the questions you've been asking, the deep questions, the deep needs of your life. Is it this or that or this or that? You can bring those to him and you can say, I need your help. And he's like, I got you. I've been waiting for you. Let's get a coffee. Let's talk about this.
Like you all think that like I'm a good guy to get coffee with. I promise you, Jesus is so much better to get coffee with. Just go have coffee with him this week, today, this afternoon. He calls us to be holy and he calls us to be faithful, but the first thing he calls us is loved. And thank you, Jesus, for it. We just respond to you now. If you need to respond by yourself, respond by yourself. If you need to respond in your seat, respond in your seat. If you need to to pray or talk to someone, we've got leaders scattered throughout this place. People are going to be out front afterwards. I encourage you just to head out front to the stairs, have a conversation. If you need prayer, someone will pray for you. I promise. The Lord is, is moving us into a new season in our community. And that season looks like all of our communities stepping up and stepping in and pressing into the needs of people. So if you know that someone's around you and they need prayer, however you're comfortable with doing that, grab a number, go outside, have a conversation, but be present in this moment. We don't get many moments like this, honestly. It's so good to just be in them. So we just sit and rest. We allow... Holy Spirit to minister as Colton shares and the band plays and leads us into the presence of God. I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but I often find myself waiting to be faithful to God until he is faithful to me when in reality he's always been faithful I was uh, been reading through the book of Daniel and I just kind of been reflecting on the life of Nebuchadnezzar and I just it kind of hit me when I was reading about Nebuchadnezzar sends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace to die. And literally, Jesus comes to save them. And he sees this, and he responds with worship, and he says, oh my, this is just, we need to worship this God. But then the very next chapter, he's right back to where he was. It's like he was waiting for more proof. And I, I thought to myself, man, would I, if I just, if I saw that happen, I feel like my faith would just be so big. If I saw God do that, my faith would just be so big, but he's already done it. He's already fought my battle. He's already won my victory through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now when things don't go my way, when the future that I see doesn't come to fruition, I, I get mad. I think, that, I think that's God not being there for me, not being faithful to me, but it's not at all. We're just in an imperfect world, but we have a perfect Father. So as we just come to sing this song, would you just respond? I mean, when I, when I realize that, that this is not about me, 
my only response to, to this world, to everything that's going on, is just that God is worthy of my praise regardless of a circumstance, that he's holy and he's already won the victory. So I'm gonna build my life upon that truth and that word. Let's see. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.